Welcome back to another edition of our Diocesan Podcast, Big City Catholics, with Bishop Robert Brennan, the Diocesan Bishop of Brooklyn, myself, Father Christopher Henu, the Rector of the Co-Cathedral of St. Joseph. We begin our podcasts in prayer. In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Amen. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Bishop, this is a bit of an update podcast, you know, of all the recent events that's been going on in our diocese and around the world, an opportunity for us just to kind of catch up. We've had guests on the show more recently, Senior Grimaldi, and we've had a lot of directed episodes, but today is just an opportunity for us to chat again, back to the basics. <laughs> That's right, especially in these summer days where life changes pace, but it doesn't mean it stops. I mean, boy, things are happening all around us, but it's just a different kind of busyness. It um, is, it is. Something that we can all enjoy. And the busyness is not just here in Brooklyn, which we'll hear more about what's going on and in our diocese, what you've done recently, and but the busyness is also in the Holy Father's schedule. I mean, pretty exciting news in the church that the Holy Father would appoint uh, new cardinals for the church, universal. What's your thoughts on that, Bishop? It always is exciting news when the Holy Father names cardinals for the church. It's part of the ongoing lifeblood of the church that we continue to develop new leadership and that the Lord guides us in ways. The cardinals in some ways, they play an honorary role. They're bishops, ordinarily bishops of dioceses, tend to be larger or metropolitan dioceses. But where they do play a role is cardinals have a role of advising the Holy Father. So he turns to the cardinals for a number of the Roman committees and offices. He turns to them for his own counsel. And then, of course, the major role of the cardinals comes when the Pope dies, or as in the case in 2013 with the late Pope Benedict, he steps aside. It's the cardinals who discern the will of God to elect a new Pope. So these are important appointments. These are very, very important appointments, and we're glad for them, and we're glad to see the Church continuing in its role of service to the human family for the glory of God. Now, this time, it's always a big deal, but this time we have two cardinals, two of the cardinals, have connections with us here in the United States. One of them is a native of the United States, of Chicago, Illinois, but he's an Augustinian priest, a member of the Order of St. Augustine, who served as their general at one time, but was really a missionary priest. He served in Peru. He was a missionary priest and bishop. And now he is the uh, head of the Office for Bishops, the Dicastery for Bishops. He took Cardinal Ouellette's place. Cardinal Ouellette retired. And so he has a special responsibility for the naming of bishops to advise the Holy Father after all the work has been collected, but also to be solicitous of the bishops, to care for the needs of the diocese. So it's not really a surprise that he would be named a cardinal because that's a job, a ministry that is ordinarily done by a cardinal. So, And then also the new head of uh, the DDF, the Dicastery for the Doctrine of Faith, is recently appointed. And so he too would ordinarily be a cardinal. So it's not a total surprise that the Holy Father named cardinals. But going back to now cardinal-designate prevost, he has those American connections, a missionary priest, but who's been in the service of the universal church and now in a particular service to the Holy Father, both caring for the bishops 
and serving as a cardinal. And certainly the Church of Chicago rejoices, but the Church of the United States of America rejoices that one of our, our own would be elevated to the rank. And, and the other connection, of course, as you mentioned, there are two that have connections to the United States. So the first, of course, is Prevost, born here in the United States. The second is the Papal Nuncio to the United States, Archbishop Christophe Pierre, whom you've worked with before. And Cardinal designate Pierre has been nuncio to the United States for a long time, and the Holy Father asked something of him that is unusual already by asking him to stay on beyond the age of 75. Ordinarily, it's soon after those in the diplomatic service turn 75, and Pope Francis has indicated that that's his desire, that soon after they turn 75, the, those in diplomatic service would retire. The Holy Father specifically asked him to stay on, so he's, I don't know exactly, maybe 77, 78, and he continues here. The Holy Father has relied on him. Cardinal Designate Pierre has served the church in the United States extraordinarily, extraordinarily well. He represents Pope Francis to us as to all papal nuncios, but he's the one who gets to know the diocese and makes the recommendation, sends in the, what's called the Turner, the three candidates for the bishops, for the congregation of bishops to serve and the Holy Father to appoint. He has really given himself over to that work in an extraordinary way. He gets to know the diocese. He comes and just visits diocese. He's, he would see himself more in a pastoral role than in a diplomatic role. You know, you said I've worked with him, but yeah, so have all bishops. That's, that's one of the great things sure. is he's just so available to the bishops and to the different dioceses. As a matter of fact, previously scheduled, he'll be coming up here. We'll talk about this a little bit more later on, but he'll be coming up here for the Feast of Our Lady of Mount Carmel. He comes sometimes just to be with God's people and takes great joy in that. He loves to talk about Pope Francis and he talks about what Pope Francis teaches us about accompaniment and about the encounter with Jesus. Those are the two central things he keeps coming back to, but he's always close to the people. One of the things when he goes to installations of bishops or ordinations of bishops, he has a sense of the place and he sometimes makes a joke. So one of the great jokes right here in Brooklyn, I was coming from Columbus and you know, in Columbus, Ohio, there's a terrific rivalry between Ohio State, which is in Columbus, and Michigan, the University of Michigan. Their game is always on Thanksgiving weekend. And Ohio State had been dominating for the last couple of years. But last year, and then again this year, they lost that key game. And it doesn't matter. You can win the championship, but if you lose the Ohio State-Michigan game, it's a disaster. So when he was here and installing me just a couple of days later, he says, oh, there are many tears in Columbus today. But it's not about you. It has something to do with the football game. <laughs> well, the place just got such a kick out of that. I remember that. <laughs> As you mentioned, the idea of accompaniment, it shows that he works hard to understand the needs of the diocese, to understand the, the people within the dioceses, and to see... We were talking in our last podcast with Monsignor Grimaldi about just how every parish, every deanery has particular needs every diocese, every region of our country, and imagine trying to decipher the needs of all. But in order to do that, you have to get to know the people. And, and he really does. He really does. And to that end, you know, he said that he's very solicitous, he's very caring of the diocese and, and helpful to the bishops. But 
I got news for you. He's also very challenging to us as bishops. And I think that's the heart of a good pastor as well. He's very challenging because in those themes of Pope Francis, accompaniment of the encounter with Jesus, of pastoral presence, he is constantly challenging us to that pastoral service. He's constantly challenging us to be among people. He's constantly challenging us to focus not on programs or little things here and there, but really in the vision of Pope Francis to foster that encounter with Jesus Christ through pastoral accompaniment, especially to those who are struggling. Great pastor, both consoling and encouraging, but also challenging and convicting. Which really does echo the words of our Holy Father, Pope Francis. I mean, exactly. really, it's his job, Cardinal Delicate's Pierre's job as nuncio to the United States is to be the Pope's representative, to echo the words of the Holy Father. And the Holy Father has had some pretty harsh words at times, or challenging, challenging words, words yeah. uh, toward, uh, you know, the bishops. Do you smell like the sheep? Are you an airport bishop? Or, you know, whatever it may exactly. be. And so I, I could see that. I could see our nuncio doing echoing those words. And so, as you mentioned, pretty exciting for us in the Diocese of Brooklyn that one of his first public appearances as as will be right Del- here in the Diocese will be in Astoria here. for the Feast of Mount Carmel. Speaking of the, that feast, last year we, we spoke a lot about it because it was your first opportunity to experience the feast. And when we think of the Diocese of Brooklyn, we think of the Feast of Mount Carmel. Generally, it's the larger feast in Williamsburg that gets a lot of the news, uh, especially on current. And it is a big deal. You know, there are other big feasts in the New York area, but this is a parish festival, parish feast, and it really is the hard labor of parishioners who literally roll their sleeves up. I mean, yeah, we have outside vendors that come in and all of that, but these are people who are rolling up their sleeves deep in the work. And there's the devotion to Our Lady of Mount Carmel, but also to St. Paulinus of Nola. A lot of the original parishioners in Williamburg come from that town of Nola. And so that Giglio, that tall structure that they carry, has the statue of St. Paulinus on it. And it really is quite a spectacle. So it deserves all the attention it gets. It's a lot of fun, but it is all about devotion. And it's something, an event that's occurred for this year is the 136th That's correct. Year. 136 years. Incredible. So you imagine that this has been a part of, of the heart of Williamsburg. I was at the opening of the feast last week after we had recorded. So again, it was a joyful day. Beautiful Mass. It's beautiful to be able to celebrate that Mass because people who are inside the church, there's a lot of activity going on outside, but the people who are inside the church are devoted there's an enthusiasm. You, you hear it in the responses. They really, really want to be there. When you offer those masses, it can be so invigorating and so inspiring. And it was that kind of a response. And then we had the procession after through the streets. Again, part of it, there's a lot of fun, but we're taking what we believe, what we profess inside the church out into the heart of Brooklyn. Yeah, this is a beautiful act of faith. And I remember last year, I didn't make it this year to the opening, but I remember the heat of the night. And it's quite an act of devotion and sacrifice, especially for yourself, Bishop. I mean, you've got (laughs) like five layers of clothes and and vestments and cassocks and chasubles, and you're walking through 90 degree summer humid evening. So that's right. Uh, you, you saved and, a few souls in purgatory. That and if night. I can be a little profane, and as you do it, you smell in the sausage and the peppers and the zeppelis. <laughs> <laughs> oh, 
<laughs> I told a story, and forgive me if I've told it on this podcast. You know that I love Columbus. We had an Italian feast in Columbus, part of the Columbus called Italian Village. And they had the big festival. It was always around Columbus Day weekend. They never heard of Zeppelis. I said, how can you not heard of Zeppelis? They didn't have a Zeppeli truck. So. <laughs> so I told that story at mass. It got a good laugh because we know those Zeppelis oh, are wow. a big part of our feast, yes. not only here, but all around us. That's right. That's right. And you can have all but the Zeppelis. You can no Zeppeli for me. But the sausage and the peppers I can do. I have to go back there one night maybe. I don't think I'll make it for the Giglio this year just because of my schedule, but that's lifted on certain days. But I'm hoping to get back there really to tell you the truth, just to thank some of the workers, the partic particularly the parish workers. So that would be one of my goals, but it's a great feast. And again, of course, the feast in Williamsburg is the one that's very, very well known and well established. But as you know, we have another parish of Our Lady of Mount Carmel in Astoria, Queens, and they have a very rich spiritual tradition with the scapular of Our Lady of Mount Carmel and the consecration. And so it's a big feast there. So annually, they too have a procession, but that's more just the religious procession, not the feast with the rides and all of that. And they have the devotion, they have the novena preparing for it. So I'll be going there this year as well. I was there last year on, it, the feast fell on a Saturday. I did the morning mass where people renew their promises to the consecration or new people take up the consecration and we bless and distribute the scapulas. So this year I'll be going, but it'll be Archbishop Pierre now, Cardinal Designate Pierre, who will offer that mass. Monsignor Fahm, the pastor in Our Lady of Mount Carmel Astoria, worked in the nunciature in Washington. And so he extended that invitation. And as I said before, if he's able to, the nuncio is very gracious about trying mm. to be pastorally present. So, so he's coming. And this was well before all the news about yes. uh, being named a cardinal. But that'll be a great gift because Our Lady of Mount Carmel in Astoria is one of our very international parishes. We have a number of ethnic communities there. So there's the Old Guard Italian Our Lady of Mount Carmel community. Yep. You have um, a, a large Hispanic community. You have a significant Vietnamese community there, just to name a few. There's a universality in this celebration. And I think that's why it's significant that the representative of the Holy Father would celebrate that Mass for us. I was always very proud when I was assigned to Our Lady of Mount Carmel in Astoria as a transitional deacon to be able to say to my friends in other dioceses, you know, I'm assigned to a parish where we offer Mass every Sunday in five different languages. That's right. The Czech, Czech. That's right. A unique place. That's like just the definition of Brooklyn. You know, in one parish, I think there were nine Sunday Masses in five languages. It was a in a polite way to say it, but it was like a factory of masses. Well, they constantly. have the upper church and the lower church yes. so that they can accommodate yes. at convenient times for people. That's right. All of these different language groups. And yet one of the things that's beautiful there that has been the tradition and continues is this sense of, yes, mass is offered in various different languages. We do come from different ethnic backgrounds, but we are one parish. And there's that sense of universality that's very much alive there at Our Lady of Mount Carmel. Speaking of uh, universality and diversity, the diversity of ethnic groups, but the universality of our faith, 
pretty exciting news for the diocese that this past Sunday you had that opportunity and uh, it was a beautiful liturgy. Uh, it really was. We were at St. James Cathedral. It was transitional diaconate. These are three men who are studying in different seminaries or community, not a religious congregation, but part of their formation would include their being ordained deacons as they go into their last year. We have another fellow in fourth year who will be ordained a deacon with the fellows at St. Joseph's and Seminary in Dunwoody. So we have the tradition of the fellows in Dunwoody being ordained yes. transitional deacons together. But Deacon Randy Nguyen is at St. Vincent's Seminary in Latrobe, Pennsylvania. Luis Marquez is, Deacon Luis is at St. John the 23rd in Weston, Massachusetts, which is a seminary where men who are just a little bit older would go to study. And then Gaetano Mora, who is Deacon Gaetano, is part of the neocatechumenal way. So he does the academic studies at St. Joseph's, but he's part of the Redemptoris Mater Seminary, which is right here in Queens Village. So he'll be ordained for the diocese, but serving through the neocatechumenal way. And speaking of the, the neocatechumenal way, there was such a great showing of support by them at that liturgy, at that mass. I, they really filled the The neocatechumenal way is, it's an interesting, very uh, effective missionary movement. So a couple of things to note. They're not a religious community in the sense of traditional religious communities like Dominicans or Franciscans or something like that. When a priest is ordained through the neocatechumenal way, he's ordained for that diocese. They see themselves as being sent and to the universal church, the missio agentis, to the peoples. And so typically, you wouldn't say, oh, somebody from here would say, oh, I want to be part of the New York Catechumenal Way and I want to serve as a priest. First of all, there's this very long discernment process and that involves that community before they even put somebody forward for a vocation. But then you're sent. You're not necessarily sent to where you're coming from. You're sent anywhere throughout the world. And they say yes to just being sent wherever they need it. And that, that's remarkable. And th but then they're ordained for that diocese to which they're sent. So the men who are here, some come from other parts of the U.S., some come from parts all around the world. And the men who are ordained for the neocatechumenal way here are priests of Brooklyn. So they are part of the diocese of Brooklyn here in Brooklyn and Queens. And they will serve primarily in Brooklyn or Queens. They will serve parishes, and they do many of the things, or they do all the things that parish priests are asked to do. But then they also serve the neocatechumenal way. The best way I can describe the neocatechumenal way is the small groups. And they do all kinds of like knocking on door kind of missionary works, inviting people into the life of the church. They form very strong communities in these small groups. They're very strong on fostering family life. In fact, they rescue many families. People are not shy about telling their stories. In fact, I remember years ago interviewing some people. I said, so what drew you to the neocatechumen away? And people talk about how sometimes this rescues families. But at other cases, it's just people looking to develop a stronger relationship with Jesus Christ for themselves and their family and to do so in the midst of a supportive community. So that's one of the foundational pieces of the neocatechumenal way. But they're also very good on vocations. They call forth many vocations, and they form them very, very well. So, so we have the presence of the neocatechumenal way here 
in the diocese in Brooklyn and Queens, in different parishes, among different small groups. We're glad that we have a Redemptorist Mater Seminary here where our men are formed so that they can then serve the church broadly and in these communities. I remember hearing years ago a story of one of our auxiliary bishops who was asked by Bishop DiMarzio to represent the diocese at an event in Italy where seminarians or future seminarians would come in the droves, in hundreds of them, and dioceses would say, we have a need for someone who speaks English and Spanish and perhaps Italian, or we have a need for this ministry or that. And these young men from all different parts of Italy would sort of be like selected, okay, you're going to Brooklyn and you're going to this other diocese. And I just was so shocked but edified by that to say, God bless them. You and I spoke about this a few weeks ago, you know, sort of being diocesan priests, and yet as a bishop, you're sort of sent out of your diocese, out of your diocese, home home diocese, on sort of mission work to be shepherd in other places. I give these men great kudos to be able to say, yeah, we will go blindly wherever the Lord asks us to go. That's beautiful. And they do so with a great deal of joy. The other day, after Mass, they were outside on the street singing and proclaiming praises and thanksgiving to God for the ordination and for the response of these two orders. They're known for doing that in different streets. So they'll send a big group of people to World Youth Day, but they'll be doing missionary work throughout. I tease them. I tell them they remind me of like a flash mob. So when I would go to meet people at World Youth Day at a train station or at an airport or something like that, you can kind of spot. First, you see the icon, the icon of the Holy Family. Then then you might see somebody in a corner holding a guitar. (laughs) And somewhere else, you might see somebody with a drum, those hand drums. And then all of a sudden, at the appointed hour, they just, from the different parts of the station, stand together and start singing. And it really gets people's attention. Yeah. They draw people in to that encounter with Jesus Christ. Yeah, yeah. definitely very uh, energetic. And, and the church rejoices. The uh, Diocese of Brooklyn certainly is excited, as you said. So these three men will join a fourth. Next June, we'll be ordaining the four priests for the diocese right here in Brooklyn and in Queens. Now, I mentioned World Youth Day, that they send a large group to World Youth Day, and they have their own activities. We are sending about 350 young people here. So in the weeks to come, World Youth Day takes place in the last week of July and that first week of August. It's that crossover. I'll be doing some recording of our podcast from there in Lisbon. We'll visit Fatima, the site of the appearance of Our Lady of Fatima. And I'm looking forward to the opportunity to be able to speak with some of our young people during the pilgrimage to get that sense of pilgrimage while we're there. I only wish that the Big City Catholic podcast budget would have allowed me to join you. (laughs) We have a great series of episodes to come during the summer months. As you mentioned, you'll be recording from Lisbon and from World Youth Day. Coming up, you and I will be making our trip to the 10 Mile River Boy Scout camp, and we'll be able to interview some of the scouts and the leaders up there on our time in 10 Mile River. And just a nice way to kind of keep this conversation moving through the summer so we can keep up with you, Bishop, and during this sort of nicer, quieter, relaxing time, especially after World Youth Day as we prepare then for the new pastoral year. So perhaps, Bishop, you'd like to end in prayer. Sure. This Sunday, we hear in the first reading that beautiful image of, you know, just as from the heavens, the rains come down and do not return to the heavens until they've accomplished their 
purpose. Watering the earth is that cycle. Remember, we learned it all in, in grammar school, yes. that, that water cycle, right? The, the falling rain into the earth, the um, evaporation, condensation, falling again. He says, just as the rains come down, accomplish their function and then return, so it is with God's word. God's word comes down upon us here on earth and doesn't return without reaching in, watering, if you will, nourishing the hearts of women and men. So we give thanks to you, O God, for your gift of your word, for touching our hearts and keeping us close to you. We ask that we might be able to receive that word and live it joyfully through Christ our Lord. Amen. Amen. And may the blessing of Almighty God, the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit descend upon you and remain with you forever and ever. Amen. Amen. Always great to have this opportunity to chat with you, Bishop, and thanks to all those who listen in, tuning in to Big City Catholic Podcast each and every week. We hope that you have a great week. God bless. Music.